Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another Bible study session. Let us pray. And our Father, Lord, we thank you for another time to worship you and learn from your word as a community, as a tribe, as your disciples. We ask that you open the hearts, the eyes of our hearts today to hear what you are saying to us at this very moment. Father, open the eyes of our faith to see that which is eternal so that we may move with a conviction that does not hold on to unbelief, even in the face of impossibilities, but that our faith becomes empowered by your word and that our faith grows in confidence that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength and that our faith is strengthened by the finished work of the cross and in knowing that he who started this work in us is faithful to complete it until the day he returns. Holy Spirit, I ask that you give me the tongues of the ready writer and you speak through me today, not my words, words, but yours. Oh God, my Father, be with my mouth and teach me what to say every time I speak. My Father, give me a mouth of skillful words and wisdom. Father, as I open my mouth, fill it with what I need to do your will. I declare that I become lesser and lesser and that Christ, <laughs> our Christ, our Savior becomes greater and greater in me, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We adore you. Lord, I welcome you here. Glory be to your name. For in Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. So today we'll, we will be reading from John 6, verse 61. But before we start, let me do a quick recap on the last session's message. Number one, God is always doing a new thing and we must be able to discern and see it. Number two, when we accept Jesus into our lives, there's a divine exchange of our flesh for his flesh, so for the flesh of Christ, and it is his flesh that, that is now in us that the Holy Spirit begins to work on to make us more Christ-like. Number three, communion is key to establishing and maintaining that divine life within us. As we take his body and his blood, we abide in him. Basically, if you're seeking a life of divine health, divine living, divine life, leverage the power of communion. And you can do this as a consistent practice um, in, you know, in your spiritual you know, growth development routine. Finally, there are two ways we can abide in Jesus and he abides in us. The first way we abide is through communion, as we saw in our text in this reading. And then the second way we abide is through his word. Um, and that was also in the book of John, I think John 15, abide in me and I abide in you. Um, so these are ways that we can abide in Christ. Very, very powerful and very, very practical as well. So today we're gonna to be reading John 6, um, from verse 60 to 71. From verse 60, it says, therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were complaining about this, asked them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The, the Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you as spirit and are life. 
but there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe and the ones who would betray him. Wow. He said this. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the twelve, you don't want to go away to do you. <laughs> Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the only one of God. And Jesus, verse 70, Jesus replied to them, didn't I choose you the 12? Yet one of you is a devil. He was referring to Judas, Simon's, Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, one of the 12, because he was going to betray him. May the good Lord bless the reading of his word. Looking in verse 60, verse 60 to 63, it says, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard thing. Who can understand it? So if you remember, following from our last teaching, at the end of our study in verse 59, it says, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught, as he taught in Capernaum. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So Jesus, remember, Jesus taught everyone in the synagogue about communion and he taught about him being the bread of life from heaven. So that was what he, um, he, was, he, was, he was doing in the previous chapter. So he was, but he was doing it in the synagogue. So it wasn't just like a small group of people. He literally was, he was basically like on a big stage. He was in front of everyone in church. He was on social media. He was on his platform, right? You get the picture. So basically everyone heard him loud and clear. So not just the Jews and his disciples, but everyone around, even the crowd was there. Verse 60 says, many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? Many of his disciples, this tells us that Jesus had more than 12 disciples. However, the 12 were his core, his inner circle. So you, you can and you have many disciples or people who lead you, who you lead, but you should have your core, the ones in your inner circle. And for me personally, as a rule of thumb, I use numbers in the Bible to determine my numbers, especially when it comes to setting up structures for teams. So I personally would only have a maximum of 12 people I lead on a one-on-one -on -one basis in my core. If Jesus didn't have more than 12, I don't see why I need more than that. So this is just a personal thing, but I think it's worth emulating because why reinvent the wheel, <laughs> right? So I believe this is a great model for inner circle team structuring or any form of people structure you want to have for maybe a mentorship model, discipleship model, employee, you know, staffing and, you know, you get you and so on. So so many of his outer circle disciples didn't understand what he was saying. Many of the disciples that, that were the bigger crowd, not the cultural, they didn't understand what he was saying about the bread of life, about his flesh and the blood, basically about communion and all what he was saying in the previous chapter. This scenario speaks volumes. So not, it means that not everyone, even among the circle of people you are leading or teaching or discipling or mentoring or coaching will understand all the things you're saying. They may understand some and not understand some. Only a few among the larger crowd will truly understand the depth and the core of your message. And in this case, with what Jesus was teaching, it means that not everyone was able to understand the mysteries of the kingdom and even the teaching of it. 
This means that if you are teaching mysteries of the word or the kingdom, not everyone will understand you. If Jesus had the same issue, it means that we will likely run into the same issue. But I will, further, we'll see why people don't understand. When we go, when we go down into the text, like in verse 60, I think it was 69. But moving on in verse 61, Jesus says, Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about his te- this teaching. He could discern in his spirit that they didn't understand. And as a result, their lack of understanding led them to complain. So they weren't like necessarily saying it out loud. Here's what I think would have happened. So, but before I move into what I think, like how this played out, because it said he knew in himself. That means he could discern it in his spirit. Like they were not necessarily saying it out loud, but they were complaining amongst each other. But I want to point out a subtle lesson here. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean you should turn it to a complaint. The goal should be to seek first to understand before you criticize. The disciples were complaining among themselves because they didn't, they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. Keep in mind, these were the disciples, not the Jews, right? These are not the Pharisees. These were disciples, the people who followed Jesus' teaching, which also implies that they had some sort of level of awareness. And I can just imagine how the conversation spread. Perhaps someone asked a person sitting down beside them for clarification. Do you understand this teaching? And the person responded, um, not really. Do you? <laughs> I don't. Do you? And then I can imagine that this went on for a few more people. And then suddenly it turned to complain because no one could figure out what they were saying. Plus the assumption that if many people don't understand what you are, what is being taught, then it doesn't make, then it means that it doesn't make sense. And so they complain about it, right? So this is typically what we do. Just because 10 people did not understand what you're saying. They're like, oh, oh that's canceled. Uh, no, zero. They cancel it, right? But are we seeking to understand? Are we seeking truth, right? And we know that if it's Jesus that spoke, it's truth. So clearly there must be something there, right? But they did not seek to understand. Instead, they were criticizing. They could have simply asked for clarification from Jesus saying, I, we don't, I don't understand. Can you explain, right? Instead, they allowed their limited paradigm to keep them stuck in a lower realm of thinking, which led them to complain about his teaching. This is so powerful because this happens to us all the time. This applies to us because sometimes we listen to our leaders, our mentors, our teachers, and we don't understand what they are saying. And so instead of, and then instead of seeking to understand, we criticize in our own mind and complain and eventually miss out on that knowledge or that truth that the person was trying to teach or pass along. So powerful, so profound. I pray that the Lord Almighty and the Holy Spirit would really let this word sink into our heart so that we can be ones who are very willing to learn um, and seek truth, seek to understand before we criticize or complain or literally just cancel out the thoughts, right? Like being like the Berean Christians who would go back and just really research and ask the Holy Spirit and ask read the scriptures for clarity. So when Jesus discerned this, he asked them, does this offend you? Look at his response. His response was a direct answer. His question, which was his, a response, was a direct answer and addressing directly what they were thinking in their hearts. <laughs> I love how direct he was. He saw their heart, that it wasn't that they didn't just understand the teaching, but that the message offended them. And typically that's what happens. We can't, we, when we don't understand a truth, it's because it's 
offending our paradigm, our current paradigm doesn't sit well with the way we're currently thinking. So their lack of understanding was rooted in an offensive spirit in their heart against his message. It was rooted in the fact that their minds couldn't comprehend this new truth, right? Because it was new to them. They had not heard it before. So let's say a new truth. So it caused them to get offended by his message. So we can see that offense in our heart or an existing paradigm can cause us to lack understanding of a divine teaching or mystery of God or a new truth we need to elevate to the next level. This is powerful and so profound. This is why we must always pray. I take every high thing, every paradigm, negative paradigm, every limiting mindset, limiting paradigm to the true knowledge of God and to the obedience of Christ, we must take it captive because it can prevent us from understanding the mysteries and the things of God. So Jesus then asked them, if you're complaining about this, what will happen when you see me ascend to heaven? Like, if you if you're offended by words, what would happen when you see? <laughs> he was basically, what will happen when I show you deeper things of the supernatural realm? Jesus was basically saying, this is how we limit ourselves to dimensions of God. Like just a teaching they cannot understand. What will happen when God opened their eyes to see the to see heaven? <laughs> they wouldn't be able to take it. Jesus was busy, and this is how people are limited in how they, they we experience God because if you can't take the word, you can't even you can't even step into supernatural experiences because your, your body is going to naturally just resist it. You know, God help us. Jesus was basically saying, if they can't understand his teaching, if they can't open their hearts to believe his word and what he's saying through his teaching, how would they believe it when they see him ascend to heaven? How would they see supernatural things? He was saying that their minds wouldn't be able to understand a deeper concept or a dimension of God. And, and, and the example was given was him ascending to heaven, like the deep things of the spirit. Seeing visions, you know, like really things, things that you see in the, like people like Daniel, people like John, they went to the heavens, they call them, you know, how do they, how would they want to experience those things? I find it interesting that it seems as if for us to unlock higher levels of depth in God and with God to get to deeper realms of the supernatural where we, where God gives us an invitation to come up hither, to come up high so that we can see the things that are to happen next. So we can understand weighty things of kingdom. We must first understand concepts that can be explained with words and parables. We must be open-minded to the basic tenets and the mystery teachings of, the, of God and of the kingdom. Yes, we start off with baby milk and we must first know how to drink milk and eat baby food before we can start eating solid food. But we must always advance to solid food. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 2 says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. The disciples in this situation, they were not ready for solid food. They were not ready for the deep mysteries of God. So it is possible that your mind and capacity to receive the solid food of God is limited. And this can really limit us. However, our desire should always be to desire spiritual maturity and to eat the solid food of God. So must always desire, I want to know more. I want to know more. I want to know the truth of God. You know, must always have that desire. Very, very critical and very essential to our spiritual growth and just getting deeper deeper into this walk and this relationship with God in verse 63 Jesus began to explain to them he said it is the spirit that gives life and the flesh doesn't bring anything basically he was saying that the flesh is useless and dead mere human thinking and the way of working 
and, and, and human way of working is useless and dead. It is only the spirit that gives life. This is why we must be led by the spirit. Romans 8, 14 says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. What Jesus was saying was that it is the spirit that brings meaning to these things that he says and he teaches. It is the spirit that brings meaning to the word of the God, to the word of God and to the scriptures. And that the flesh, mere human mind, mere human thinking, just thinking in your own mind, cannot do that work. It can't bring the interpretation that you need. It can't give them that understanding that they seek. And that Je and Jesus said, the words I speak are spirit and thus they give life. So he was implying that if they can receive the word he is speaking, it will bring life and understanding to them. So what can we learn from this? The first step into understanding the mysteries of God and his teaching or the word of God is to receive the spoken words of God into our minds as words that can elevate us to a higher paradigm of thinking and operating. We must first accept the word of God. We must believe it and then seek to understand or desire it or desire it so, that, so that it can come alive in you, right? This is when the Holy Spirit is able to open us up to the light and life and understanding in the words of God that God speaks to us. So when we desire it, when we seek to, you know, Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, right? So this is when the Holy Spirit can now do his work. The word of God is life. This is also why we must study scripture. When we study the word, the life of God jumps out at us through the help of the Holy Spirit. And it's the same Holy Spirit that brings understanding to his word, that brings understanding to that word that just comes alive in you. That, that it now brings life to that word. It, it brings ruah. It literally brings the breath of God to that word that you're, that you're reading, right? So verse Moving on to verse 64 to 65, it says, but there were some who, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the father. So, so powerful. What Jesus was saying here was like, there are some disciples who do not believe. And that text said, Jesus knew them. <laughs> That's powerful. So if you don't believe, Jesus already knows that you don't believe. So there's no even there's no need to pretend. <laughs> there's no need to pretend. If you don't believe, just say, Father Lord, help my own belief. I don't, I believe, but I don't believe. Just help me. There's no need to pretend. He knows that you don't. So many people shut out the word. We shut out Jesus or we shut out his teaching because, because we don't understand it. Because we basically don't really believe it. So we can't even understand it. Because of this, they shut out access to the deeper things of God. We, they indirectly put a blockage in their mind and as a result cannot understand what God is saying. This is why we must be open-minded believers, but balancing that with discernment and the study of the word. So not every truth is the truth, but like the Berean Christians, we study the word and ask the Holy Spirit to clarify, right? So the eyes of their heart of these disciples were shut, shut out to the truth. Jesus also knew some of his closest disciples didn't believe what he was saying. This also means that not everyone will believe the mysteries of God. It is only God that allows their heart to receive it. In verse 64, it says that there were some who did not believe and that these ones are the ones that will betray him. Wow, so powerful. The folks who betray you or your, you or your teaching are the ones who don't believe. <laughs> it's saying that betrayal stems from a lack of belief. It stems from unbelief. So we can see that Judas himself didn't believe Jesus. This means a lack of belief in Jesus causes us to betray him. 
And what does this look like practically? We betray Christ, we betray even other people by our actions. Basically, this tells us that nothing good can come out of unbelief. Nothing. Because if it, because it will always lead to a betrayal of trust. And if we don't believe, then we can't trust. And if we can't trust, then we can't receive what God has for us. And this is so key to unlocking an extraordinary life, extraordinary living, being an extraordinary disciple. If we can't trust, we can't receive what God has for us. In verse 65, Jesus also reiterates that no one, no one can come to him except it has been granted to him by God. What that means is that God the Father himself is, who de- is the one who determines who comes to Jesus. This verse, also, this verse also shows us the heart of God concerning who we follow as our teachers or our mentors, our thought leaders, our coaches, our spiritual leaders, whatever form of leadership or friend so that we can access and come to Jesus through their teaching, right? You must know who you are called to. You can be an inner core in someone's tribe. So you can be part of the, in quote, 12, not necessarily like one of, like maybe there are 12 people, but core in, in a tribe, like you are from their tribe. And you, at the same time, you can be an outer core in another person's tribe. And you can be in these two positions simultaneously. Let me use an example to illustrate what I mean. So for example, I'm a church, this is me. As a church member, I can be in the outer core of my church leader or my church pastor's inner circle. So those call directly to him. And this is, as I said, this isn't just like a number 12 thing. I mean, spiritually, we are are all assigned to tribes, right? And then in maybe like this Bible study group, maybe with a leader, let's say I wasn't leader, maybe there was somebody else who have been called directly to because we're in the same tribe, right? So we're kind of, people say kindred spirit. I may be in that in the inner circle of that leader because God made me come specifically to that maybe Bible study teacher. So what I'm saying is that you can simultaneously be one of a 12 in somebody's, somebody's tribe under their leadership, so to speak. And then you can be in somebody's outer circle. Maybe you are not directly in their tribe. So you remember the, I said the tribes of Israel, let's say I'm from the tribe of Judah, right? So I can be at the same time in the tribe of Judah, following a leader in the tribe of Judah, but I might also be maybe listening to somebody in the tribe of Manasseh or something, right? And, or Simeon. I might be listening to them, but so in the tribe of Judah, I'm in their, I'm in my core. And if I if I listen to someone or I follow someone in the tribe of Manasseh or Ephraim or Simeon or someone in that tribe, I'm in their outer core. So let's say I'm my core is the tribe of Judah, right? And so what this is saying is that I run the risk of not understanding what somebody in the tribe of Simeon is saying to me because I'm not from their tribe, right? Because Jesus says. God is one that draws the people. He chooses them for him, for the teaching, for the leader. He chooses them. So you must always find your tribe. So we must find mentors, teachers, disciples, coaches that we are sent to by God and that God has sent to us. This is very important because it is how impartation, revelation, insight, deliverance, light bulb moments and growth happens. If you end up going to someone that God hasn't called directly to you, 
you run the risk of not understanding what they are saying. And as a result, you risk not growing into the better version of yourself, into the, the extraordinary version of yourself. And the ripple effect of this is that many things working against Many things will not be working against your spiritual growth. They are now in play. So the lack of understanding stems from a lack of belief, which then fosters complaining, which then negates the truth, which means that you can't be set free because the truth sets us free from our old mindsets, our old paradigms, our limiting beliefs, and so on, right? So it's not that you can't listen to people in other tribes, but if you notice, sometimes when you listen to some messages, it doesn't really resonate with you. It doesn't mean that what that person is saying is not true. Sometimes it's the truth. However, because you're not called to them, the message does not resonate with you as quickly as it would if it was somebody that you were called to. And as a result of that, at that moment, that message doesn't sit in the soil of your heart. <laughs> so it doesn't have the same impact. It's possible to be very open to messages, to just kind of listen and pick out and be like, okay, but like in this case, right, the disciple could have just asked for clarification. So in a case where maybe it's a message that you don't quite get it because ah, I'm not really, this message, I'm not understanding it. Then you ask for clarification, right? But usually what Jesus is saying is that the reason why you don't get the message is because you're not naturally inclined to that understanding because you have not been called to that person. Um, it's a bit complicated, but it gets, I'm sure you get the point. Um, so remember, the word of God is truth. However, the soil it falls on is what matters. So if the soil is not the soil that can receive that seed or that word from that person, that leader, that pastor, that mentor, that you know, that spiritual father, that father of faith, then that seed or word is pretty, mu pretty much wasted. So if you are in the wrong tribe and listening to the truth that is not your truth, <laughs> again, this is also seasonal, right? Depending on the season of your life, the Holy Spirit can tell you, follow this teacher this for the next three months, follow this person for the next three months. So depending on what you need, the Holy Spirit will tell you to go to different people, listen to this song, read this scripture, read, research this thing, depending on seasons, right? Then you may not understand. So for example, um, my a good example that's come to me is so my dad was like, when he first gave his life to Christ, he, he went to a bookstore and then he picked up some watchman knee books <laughs> and when he picked them up he read he was reading it the first chapter and he didn't understand anything like it was like i don't even understand <laughs> he didn't understand anything and then three years later he picked up the book and he could understand it and then he was like yes then you were not called to like you were not mature enough to receive that word, right? So it also comes with, you know, stages of spiritual maturity and just different elements. But the key is knowing that it's not that the word is not truth. It's that you might either not be called to that person in that season or called to that person at all. And that's why you can't receive the word. And, and it's very risky to then now form a whole paradigm and say, oh, that person is a false prophet or that person doesn't teach the truth. It's just that, Maybe you, maybe you are not able to understand it at that level. You know what I mean? So I hope that the Holy Spirit is just clarifying this in our minds as it is, because it's a bit, it's a bit like, you know, multi-layered. So long story short, as I said, you must find your tribe. You must find the leaders that you've been called to or, or are called to you per season, per time, um, 
And sometimes like some of them are there forever. You do this by asking God in prayer or sometimes when you listen to some people, they just, they say exactly what resonates deeply in your spirit. And not just that it resonates, not, not just that it resonates, but there's a compulsion to take action. Like you just feel like doing the work. You're like literally here and a doer. When you listen to that person, they just motivate you to want to take action, right? And so if you're listening and not taking action, then there's no point. Some of us say it's kindred spirit. It just feels super connected to these people, right? So remember, the goal is growth and transformation. So we seek to understand so we can take the necessary actions and steps to be able to fully unlock that extraordinary version of ourselves. Verse 66 to 67, from that time, many of the disciples went back and walked, walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? <laughs> In verse 66, it says, many disciples turned away and walked with him no more. Eventually, when eventually, what happens is that when you don't believe God, you lose trust in him and inevitably, inevitably <laughs> you will end up turning back and walking away it is dangerous to be a disciple that doesn't believe you are at risk very high risk of walking away it is dangerous for a disciple to end up in the wrong tribe because it means or in the wrong listening to the to the right teacher at the wrong time that's the word because they might not be this is not talking about a false person who listening to the right teacher at the wrong time or just completely in the wrong tribe or following the wrong leader for a long period of time because it means that your ability to receive a word from that vessel that pastor that teacher that mentor may be hampered because you are not called to them which means that you will limit your spiritual growth many disciples went away and said this is rubbish as I said, many will walk away from your message because they don't understand or they aren't called to you. Especially when you start, you start talking about real things or even difficult situations or deep mysteries of God. If they're not called to you, they may walk away because they might not understand, right? I think this is so key for us, especially when deciding who we follow and we listen to. It helps you know your teachers. And when you find them, stick with them um, your, and your growth and your next level is tied to that connection. So it's important to really... This is very key in spiritual growth and just unlocking our lives and the next level that God has for us. In verse 68 to 69, it says, Simon Peter answered Jesus. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? We, you have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe that you are the Christ and the son of the living God. Jesus then asked his 12, the inner, so he asked his court, like that, the inner circle disciples, if they also wanted to go away. And Peter quickly, you know, <laughs> Peter of life, where shall we go? You, you have what we need. You have the words of eternal life. And that is what we need. And like, I like Peter. Peter is always there, ready to speak up for the team. <laughs> How many Peters do we have here? <laughs> I don't know if I'm a Peter though, but he's always so bold. It's his audacity. <laughs> it's his audacity for me. The Lord said, where, he said, Lord, where shall we go? Your words have eternal life. He said something that is key to this whole message. We have we said, we have come to believe and know that you are Christ. The disciples had spent enough time with Jesus that they had come to believe and know him. Like they knew him. And because of this, they believed him. They knew that he was the truth. So whatever he said is the truth. That is so powerful. So even if he spoke mysteries that they did, they couldn't wrap their heads around. They still believed him. You know, 
every word that comes out of God is truth, right? Even if it sounds like this doesn't make sense, you still believe that is your response. Your heart response should be to believe God, even if what he says you don't understand. But as long as it's the word of God, it's your the immediate action should be to believe that is what that is to, that is the most profound thing he says we have come to believe and know that you are Christ our action is to believe even if the word seems impossible that is the action to believe you know they had personal experiences with God with Jesus they had their own personal encounters they had divine, defining moments with Jesus and this made Peter say no you have what we need we're not going anywhere this is why believing is so key. And we can't believe unless, unless we spend time to know God. We can't trust unless we believe God. There are so many lessons here. But there's a lesson. The lessons are a bit obvious, but I want to reiterate it because repetition brings revelation. Sometimes repetition allows things to sink in. You must spend time with God. You must have a personal relationship with him. You must grow in your love walk with him. You must diligently seek him. You must pursue an intentional relationship with God and with the help of the Holy Spirit because this is what strengthens our belief in God and our trust in him and in who he is, which is the goal of the entire Christian walk is to know who who God is for, is to know God for who he is. The truth is the ones who know, know. And they know because they have developed that personal relationship with Christ. People ask, how do you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? The truth is, if you know, you know, because you've developed that relationship, that intimacy. How do I know if it's the voice of God? How do I know if it's my mind? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. You spend time with your shepherd. You will know the voice. We must cultivate that. We must let, the more we spend time, the more we are able to know and send. Bible says, Romans 12, to be trans, do not conform to the things of this world, but be transformed in your mind. And then you will know the will of God. It's the transformation. It's, it's in spending time with God that we're able to know the will of God. It's just that every time people ask, I don't know the will of God. You do not spend time with God. <laughs> when you spend time, you will know his will. He will tell you. It's, does he hide? He's not trying to hide his will from you. What's the point? Why would he do that? It's very simple. So Peter said, we have come to believe and know that you are Christ, the son of living God. So they first believed and then they knew him. They developed an intimate relationship with him as his disciples to be able to understand the mysteries of God. You need to develop an intimate relationship with him. If you are a distant believer, the words will be gibberish. It's just what it is. If you are a distant believer, the words wouldn't sink sink in because the soil of your heart is not cultivated in the love of God. Knowing God in intimate relationship is what makes you know that the words that he speaks to you are indeed eternal life. And the bigger and the next level picture here is that if we we indeed want to unlock mysteries in God, if you want to unlock dimensions, depth in God, like just going into the, you know when it says, I will take you to the secret places. Cultivating that relationship is very, very key. Moving on to verse 70 to 71, as we wrap up, Jesus answered them, did I not choose you? the 12, and one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Sim, Sim, Simon, Simon, <laughs> Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the 12. So Jesus responded by telling Peter, saying, wasn't I the one that chose you? <laughs> and I thought so, so I had a light bulb moment here. And you are asking, where shall we go? And Jesus is saying, you actually can't go anywhere because I chose you. <laughs> 
I chose you. You can't go anywhere. You are stuck with me for life. <laughs> and we see that he did definitely choose his disciples. When we started reading the book of John earlier, we saw that, you know, he went, he picked one or two people, he walked into the cities, one person introduced. So he literally selected them. He's like, you're not going anywhere. Even Jesus even threw in bonus information. He says, I chose all 12 of you, even the one that will betray me. <laughs> right? Even I he said, I chose the person that will betray me. Jesus chooses us. He does. He's the one that chooses us. We're not going anywhere. So we just want to say thank you, Lord, for choosing us. <laughs> for choosing us. For choosing us. But this is deep. Why? This is deep because Jesus called Judas Iscariot the devil because he said he would be for he would betray him. That is deep. So when we betray God, we are basically exhibiting character traits of the devil. Wow. I definitely don't want to be in that equation at all. So even when we betray people, our fellow human beings, our fellow Christian siblings, right? It is a character trait of the devil. The devil betrayed God in heaven and God had to cast him out. The devil betrayed Jesus on earth using Judas and he ended up, Judas ended up killing himself. Let us not be ones who betray God or our fellow brethren, siblings in Christ, or even just fellow human beings, whether they are Christians or not. As we can clearly see, betrayal is not of God. It's if it says, it called Judas Iscariot the devil for he would betray him. It means that when we betray God, when we betray people, we are exhibiting a very strong character trait of the devil. And I pray that none of us ever, not anyone in this community, will be would have this name tag because we are not those that betray god or our fellow brothers or any human being this is not our portion this is not our identity we are ones who are faithful exhibiting the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness we are loyal we, are, we don't betray people we don't talk about people are behind their backs we don't gossip we don't backbite we don't do just random stuff like that we don't do that we don't do that here but yeah i thought that was so profound and that is the end of the teaching. So I'm just going to wrap up and summarize with our key points that would enable, enable us to live an extraordinary life. Number one, we should be disciples who seek first to understand before we criticize, like the Berean Christians, diligently searching scripture and asking the Holy Spirit for clarification. Number two, you must find your tribe. You must find the leaders that you have been called to or you are called to. And remember, this can be seasonal, this can be persistent, this can be a, a long-term thing. So just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Number three, if we indeed want to unlock mysteries in God, cultivating a relationship with him is so, 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 so key. Very important. Finally, we must spend time with God, have a personal relationship with him. We must grow in our love work with him, diligently seek him and pursue an intentional relationship with God with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because this is what strengthens our belief in God and our trust in him. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for another time to fellowship with you and to learn from your word, um, to learn from Jesus, our lead disciple, our role model and mentor. We just want to say thank you. Thank you for teaching us your way, the person of Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us the person of Christ, for teaching us the scripture and the word of God. It is the spirit that who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. It is dead. It is useless. The words that this word of God is, is literally life. 
and their spirit. And Lord, we open our hearts to receive your spirit that gives life. We open our hearts to receive your word that is spirit and that gives life. We declare that our flesh is submitted to the spirit of God and that when we hear your word, it comes to us as spirit and gives us restorative life in the name of Jesus. Lord, we declare, we thank you for giving us access to Jesus. We thank you for accepting us and we thank you, Jesus, for choosing us because it is not by our power nor by our might. Um, but by your spirit. It is also not by works any man should boast, but by the grace and the gift, the gift of grace of God. So Lord, we thank you for this gift, for allowing Jesus to choose us, for allowing Jesus to choose us. Lord, we receive your words as eternal life, and we declare that we believe and know that you are Christ, the risen one, our King and our Lord and our Savior. We worship you and we give you all the glory, honor, and power. By the power in the name of Jesus, we down every argument, every high thing, every mindset, every paradigm in our life that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. I declare that we have the mind of Christ and as such we think higher thoughts and we think like God thinks and sees and we see like God sees, we hear like he hears hears and we think like he sees like he thinks in the name of jesus lord mold us into vessels that believe lord help our unbelief whenever we feel unbelief help us to be able to surrender our unbelief to you lord lord we desire an intimate relationship with you holy spirit help us and teach us to the ways of the lord how to walk with him and how to work with him in the name of jesus lord we desire to go deeper in you we desire to be spiritually mature and to eat the solid food of god so we can go from glory to glory strength to strength victory to victory lord increase our mind capacity to receive the solid food of your word and the mysteries of the kingdom in the name of jesus take us deeper in you god we surrender our will ourself our flesh to you and to the leadership of the holy spirit lord immerse our spirit in the in your rivers of living waters plant us as human beings by the river banks of your living waters lord and i declare that as we stay planted oh god along the banks of the river our leaves will not wither nor i will have will have fruit and our fruits will not fail in the name of jesus i declare that we will be trees who bear fruit fruit every month because our water flows from the sanctuary of the lord most high our fruit will be our food and our leaves will be for medicine hey thank you jesus our fruit will be for food and our leaves will be for medicine our lives will bring healing and hope to everyone we encounter in the name of jesus i declare that we will not start in the spirit and finish in the flesh but that every decision every action every step we take spirit-led i lord we receive your breath we receive your breath breathe upon us yahweh as you as you did upon man at creation let your life giving and life resurrecting breath fall upon us this very moment i declare that the breath of god enters every dead area and situation in our lives and every dead thing begins to receive life flesh skin and i declare that the dead thing in our lives will rise again because dry bones will rise again the dead things in our life will live again because dry bones will rise and live again by the resurrecting power of the spirit
Spirit of God and His breath. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, show us our teachers and make it clear to us those you have called to us and who we have called us to. Lead us to the teacher that will tell us this is the way to walk in it. Direct and order our steps in righteousness for your will and the fulfillment of your purposes. Oh, finally, Father Lord, we declare and I declare we will not be disciples who betray you or our fellow brethren and other human beings. I declare that we are disciples that walk in love and faithfulness, that we are faithful, loyal, loving disciples and leaders and servants. We exhibit the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness by the help of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, cultivate the seed of faith and the fruit of faithfulness in our lives so that we may look more like our leader, our role model, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for carrying us tonight. Thank you for leading us and teaching us. Thank you for a wonderful time in your presence and an opportunity to gather again. Lord, bless everyone listening to my voice. Remember their offerings. Remember their seeds. Remember their sacrifice and open the book of remembrance to them today. Thank you, Yahweh God. Thank you, Father. We love you and we adore you. Thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for your word because the entrance of your word bringeth light and life. Lord, we thank you because your word has given us light and life tonight and it has elevated us, it has shifted us to a, a new level in you, oh God. In the name of Jesus, we give you all the praise. Thank you, Father Lord. For in Jesus' mighty, powerful name, I have prayed and I declare that there will be a performance of the word, this word spoken because we believe. Yes, because we believe there will be a performance of the word spoken. And I declare that every word spoken today has been signed, sealed, delivered unto victory because we will see the manifestation of the word of God, of this word in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to today's session. I hope you were blessed. I trust you were. Don't forget to invite your friends to the sessions or get them to sign up to receive our daily prayers and to get access to the bi-weekly Bible study session. The link is in the bio. See you next time.